Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody doing today? Cool. Hey, first thing, one thing. Uh, we gave these awesome-looking, cool-looking invites out. There's only one issue. There's no time on here. So uh, three sets of eyes, no time. So take out your pen and write down 10 a.m. on all five cards so that when you hand these out, the people that you give it to know to show up at 10 a.m. Please take out your cards, take out your pen, and write down 10 a.m., 10 a.m., 10 a.m., 10 a.m., 10 a.m., 10 a.m. I said it five times. There you go. All right, cool. Now that we've done that, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hey, uh, it's not often that I get to do a message that's not in a sermon series. We reserve some of those um, single, message for, single messages for others, uh, but today is the day, today is the day where I get to preach to you a message that's not attached to the previous sermon series, it's not attached to the next sermon series. And so as I prayed about what the Lord would have me to share, he brought me to uh, this word that he gave me earlier in the year, and this word that he spoke to me was that the days that we live in are days that are filled with sorrow. How many of you can attest to that? How many of you can witness to that? That yes, the days that we live in are certainly filled with sorrow. Sorrow and, and sadness and sighing. And so I find myself, I don't really come to a place of sorrow of, over what goes on. But I do find that I sigh, and I sigh a lot, and I sigh often. I'll just be standing in the kitchen, and I'll turn around, and I'll be thinking about something that's going, and all of a sudden, I'm just, <sighs> and if you read in the Word, oftentimes sorrow and sighing, it says sorrow and sighing will flee away. Oftentimes in the Word, sorrow and sighing are placed next to one another. So if you're not doing one, you're doing the other. And the days that we live in today are days that are full of sorrow and sadness, and sighing. It, you don't ha I, I don't even have to explain to you what I'm talking about. I'm sure that you know, but I'm going to mention it. You know, I mean, if, if you watch the news at all, or if you just even read the news like I do, you know that there is no shortage of things that, we can, that will add sorrow to our life on a daily basis. The list is long, and it grows every day. Most recently, the crisis in Afghanistan, uh, COVID-19, the vaccine, lockdowns, mask mandates, loss of freedoms, violence in the streets, racism in all of its horrible forms, election integrity, mean tweets, child sex trafficking, abortion. The list goes on and on and on. And if that wasn't enough, it's the division over everything that we, we, we even think about. There's division. We could think that an apple's red, and somebody's going to argue over it with us just because we said that the apple's red. No, it's chartreuse. It's some other shade of red. It, please. But this is the world that we live in, and what happens is we can be weighed down by these sorrows if we don't treat them properly. See, what happens is we... we we hear about something, you know, this is what, I don't know, pick one. This is the crisis in Afghanistan. This is what's going on over there, one way or the other. Everybody has a different opinion. Either way, it becomes a weight. And then we add to that COVID, right? 
People are dying. People are really dying. This is a disease. What are we doing? I don't know. There's lockdowns that are going on. There's all kinds of things. We've never seen anything like this before. And we just, we keep picking up these weights and we keep picking up these weights and we keep picking up these weights. And then we still haven't been able to get rid of the weight of abortion in our nation. And, and, and so that's still going on. And so then Next thing you know, we've got all of this stuff and we're struggling. We're not meant to carry it. And then our, we're, it's a mess. And now we're, we're trying to deal with all of this. And we were never meant to carry all of this weight. That's not God's plan for our life. The days that we live in are filled with sorrow. But the good news, guys is that in the midst of these days of sorrow, we can still live the joyous, victorious, overcoming life that Jesus won for us. We just have to know how to do it. See, the point is that when we pick up or when one of these things is cast on us, I'm not stoning anybody today. I told the guys I wanted five big stones, and they said, who's getting hurt? When one of these things, one of these things of sorrow tries to, comes upon us because they keep coming, amen? Yeah. Does anybody live in life? Is there any sorrow being attached to your life currently? What we need to learn to do is we need to learn to take it to the cross. And we need to bring it to God and we need to lay it down. And we need to leave it with him, and we need to leave it there, not take it back with us. Because if we take it back with us, it's still laying it, weighing us down, and we didn't pray about it right. Something else comes up, and we do the same thing. We just go to Jesus. We come to the cross, and we lay our burdens down. We cast the Bible tells us to cast the whole of our care upon him because he cares for us. We've got all these weights. We're never designed to run with them. We're never designed to carry them. They're going to be in our life, but our job, what we should do with them when they come is we bring them to the foot of the cross, we bring them to God, and we lay them down. Now, it's not easy. It's not easy, and it takes time, and you're going, to learn how, you're going to learn how to do this. It's going to take practice, and it's going to take intentionality in order for you to be able to leave those weights at the cross. But then you know what happens? We left them at the cross the right way, and then how, somehow, suddenly, I don't know how this happened, they're back. They're back, and I pick them up again. But what I do is now that I've trained myself, I bring them, and I leave them at the foot of the cross. I leave them at the cross because they keep coming. It doesn't stop. Listen, the idea here is not that the weight stops being applied to your life. The idea here is that you know what to do with the weight when it comes. 
When the weight comes, you just bring it to the cross and you leave it there. you got to learn to cast the whole of your care upon him because he cares for you. Because as much as I keep bringing this stuff over here and I keep putting this stuff down, somehow they keep winding up back over here in my life. I turn the news on again. Thank you. We go on all day. And this is our life. It goes on all day. The storm doesn't stop. I need to adjust this. There we go. The storm doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't necessarily always deliver us from the storm. He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus doesn't always take us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He just gives us strength to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is the one that gives us strength. He is the one that gives us joy. It's in him we live and move and have our being. It's only in him that we'll find the victory. We were never meant to carry this burden. It will kill us. It will kill us. For 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this. It says, godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. This weight, if we don't deal with it properly, it'll kill us. Anxiety will kill you. This weight that you're never meant to carry, it'll kill you. We need to learn to bring it to God, and we need to cast it upon him. God has the answer for every single problem on human, on planet Earth right now. God has the answer for every single problem on planet Earth right now. God has a plan God has an answer for Afghanistan. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a five-day plan. I don't know if it's a five-week plan. I don't know if it's a five-month plan, five-year plan, five-decade plan, 100 years, 200 years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I know that I'll pray even though I don't know because there's power there. And it's the only way that I can rid myself of the weight is by giving it to God and saying, God, I don't know what's going on over here, but I know you know. God, I heard that your entire church in Afghanistan was martyred. I don't know if it's true. If they were to report that the entire church wasn't martyred, then they would keep looking for them. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I, I honestly don't believe that I'm part of the solution. I don't think that I really have anything to do with solving the problem in Afghanistan, if God wants me to be part of the solution, I'm all for it. I just don't see any way that I'm actually going to be put into any kind of a position or a place where I'm actually going to have something to be able to do to change that aside from prayer. And so I bring it to God and I pray. But then I have to leave it there. I can't carry that with me. If I'm carrying that with me, it weighs me down. And I can't live the life of joy that God has called me to, the life of joy that God has given me. Psalm 30. I want, to, uh, I want to give you some keys. How do we do this? What is the process by which we take these weights and we put them at the foot of the cross? What's the process? Psalm 30 actually has several keys here. Psalm 30, beginning in verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up, and you have not let my foes rejoice over me, O Lord my God. I cried to you, and you healed me. 
Oh, Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints, and give thanks at the remembrance of your name. I want to pause right here. We're going to read all of Psalm 30, but I want to pause right here. and I want to take note. Praise and worship and thanksgiving are the foundations of a mind that is set at peace. The foundations of a soul that is set at rest. You need to pray. You need to praise. You need to worship. And you need to thank God. We need to be a people who praise and worship God. Bill Johnson says this, and, and I like it, so I'll quote it. You'll hear me say this often. The key to emotional health is to rejoice always. How many of you struggle with your emotions? How many? Don't raise your hands. How many of you struggle with your emotions? The key to emotional health, you want to be better emotionally? Worship God. Worship God all the time. We, we have um, Pandora radio that we play. We play the Bethel channel. Uh, I have YouTube premium access so that I can put on worship music and it just rolls from one song to the other. And then after about three or four hours, the thing asks me, I, I don't know, maybe you guys, are you still listening? Yes. Three, I don't know how long it goes, but every once in a while it pops up. Are you still listening? Yes. Are you still listening? Yes. Are you still... Why is the music stopping? I'm still listening. I'm still listening. Worship is, I say all that to say, worship is always going on in my house. Worship is always going on in my car. Worship is always going on in my life. Worship is something that never stops. I don't worship because I came to church on Sunday. I worship in the car. I worship at home. I worship as I sit on my deck drinking my coffee in the morning. I worship as I'm going to meet someone. I worship in all of the in-between moments. My very life is an act of worship to God. We need to be a people that worship God. Worship brings emotional health to our life. It takes the focus that we have off of ourselves, and it directs our focus on God. See, what happens is you cannot worship God if you're thinking about yourself. Do I look funny raising my hands? You're not worshiping. Does somebody think I'm crazy for dancing like this? You're not worshiping. Does my voice sound okay? You're still thinking about yourself, and you're not directing your thoughts towards God. We need to learn. So we're not just talking about singing songs. We're talking about worshiping God. Giving God glory and honor and praise for who he is. Giving God glory and honor and praise for what he's done. King of kings, Lord of lords. He alone is worthy. He alone is holy. He alone is righteous. He has given us all things. He has delivered us from the pit. He heals all my diseases. He forgives all of my sins. Come on, glory to God. I can't even begin to talk about who God is and the things that he hasn't, has already done without getting excited. And This should just excite us. Worship is not a spectator sport. We don't come to worship and stand here and look around and be like, oh, it looks good this morning. No. Participation is mandatory. Sing. Clap your hands. Jump up and down a little bit. Do something. Participation is mandatory. It's not optional. 
observation is useless. Actually, observation's a hindrance. If we've come just to look, we're going to hinder the move of God in the room. Thanksgiving brings mental health. Don't raise your hands. Anybody struggling with mental health in the room? Right? Listen, be, we all struggle with it on some level. Has anybody ever felt a little bit of depression? There you go. Thanksgiving changes our perspective. We, some of us just need to start thanking God. Some of us just need to start being thankful for what God has done. I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, Elizabeth posts her three thankfuls. Everybody, anybody friends with Elizabeth on Facebook? Three's not enough. Come on, I'm thankful for the air that I breathe. I thank, you for, I thank God for the life that I live. I thank God for the sun that's shining. I thank God for all of you being here today. I thank God for worship. I thank God for his presence. I thank God for his work. There's no end to the things that I could be thankful for. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for three of them married. I'm thankful for an awesome wedding this week. I'm thankful for... I could just go on and on and on and never stop thanking God, and we should. You want to be healthier mentally? Begin to thank God. How does this work? Complaining or looking at what we don't have, pointing out how things are unfair in our life, will only invite animosity and envy and jealousy and depression and every other sin that we know of. Let me say that again. Complaining... How many of us have a, ha have a tendency to complain? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many of us have a problem looking around through Facebook at what everybody else is doing and being like, my life's not like that? Pointing out how unfair things are. When we choose to look at those things, this will lead us to animosity and envy and jealousy and depression, and every other type of sin. It's true. But when we begin to thank God for what we have, when we begin to thank God for the blessings that are already in front of me, and I acquire a grateful heart, now it suddenly doesn't matter that somebody else has a really fancy sports car and I don't. I'm not a sports car guy, a guy. I mean, I wouldn't mind driving one, but if I never drive one, that's fine too. But these things just don't matter anymore because I see all that God has done in my life. I see that all that God has done in my life. I see that everything that he has given me, he's blessed me. He's blessed me beyond measure. I can't stop thanking God. The list of things that I have to thank God for I couldn't begin to list it. And I, and I believe that it's the same in your life, even if you don't realize it. Begin to thank God. Three a day is not enough. I mean, I, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Thank God three a day every time you think about thanking God. Morning, noon, and night, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When you get up, when you go to bed, turn the TV on, turn the TV off. Every time you think about it, every time something, every time the clock strikes 12, Right? Every hour on the hour, thank God for 10 things. Find 10 things to be thankful for. 
Maybe you're just thanking God for the air in your lungs 12 times a day. It's still there. It didn't stop yet. Thank God for the sunshine. Thank God for the rain. Thank God for the trees that grow. There's no list to the things that we can be thankful for. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. If God is enthroned on the praises of his people, who's enthroned when we complain? Who are we making king of our life when we complain? If we go into our prayer time, and we come out feeling the same way, then we weren't really praying, we were complaining. When we go into our prayer time, we should come out looking different. We should come out feeling different. We should come out with the weight being let off of us. Jesus is greater. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. Guys, do we even grasp what that means? Do you realize the power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? And that same power dwells on the inside of you and me. But too often we don't make ourselves available of that. Let's keep moving through Psalm 30 here. For his anger, God's anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure for a night. This is the sorrow may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on, you should be experiencing joy in the morning. You should take your sorrows at the end of the day and cast them upon him because he cares. And then when you arise in the morning, joy comes in the morning. Joy comes. It is God's plan and desire for you to be filled with joy every single morning. People ask me why I'm so joyful. It's because of God. It's because of him. It's because of what he's done. It's because I can take whatever comes at me and I can bring it to him and I know that he cares because the Bible says so. He cares for me and because he cares for me, I know he's got that plan in action to solve that problem. I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the solution yet. I haven't seen the problem solved yet, but I believe because the word says so. There's, there's prayers that I've prayed. I'm still waiting five years, 10 years. I'm still waiting, but I believe. And so therefore, I have joy because I know the answer's on the way. I don't know when it'll arrive. Praying it'll be today. Joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved, Lord. By your favor, you have made my mountain strong. You hid my face, and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and the Lord... And to the Lord I made supplication. Do we know who God is? See, I think that part of the reason why we have trouble leaving our cares at the altar is because we have trouble believing that God cares for us. Do we know who God is? Do we believe that God is a God who cares and loves and has mercy that is everlasting and unending? 
Do we believe that his grace is new every morning? Do we believe that he has joy for us every single day? If we don't believe it, we can't walk in it. We have to believe it. We have to have faith. It's not mine. It's not mine. It doesn't have to make sense. The Bible says, with the heart one believes unto salvation. Believe in your heart. Know in your heart who God is. And believe with your heart, even when it doesn't make sense to your mind. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. By faith, watch this, by faith we understand that the world was made of things which are not. That makes sense to your mind, right? No. Not even a little. How can you tell me did the world get formed out of something that was nothing? Can anybody explain that to me? There's like, I think, 37 or 45, I forget the number. They're probably coming up with more every day. All these different ideas of the Big Bang Theory about how the planets came to be. The, the scientists can't agree. And so they all just keep coming up with their own idea. I know how it happened. God spoke and it happened. I know how it happened. The things that are were formed from the things that are not. That makes no sense. I know it doesn't. But I believe it by faith. I believe it in my heart. I believe it because the word says so. Do we know what the word says? Do we know what the word says about who God is? Do we remind ourselves often of who God is? Do we crack this baby open and we just read and just, man, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Come on. <laughs> the angel of the Lord came and killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. And so if the angel of the Lord encamps around me because I fear God, then what can I fear? We need to meditate on the word. We need to read the word. We need to memorize the word. We need to know the word. When somebody says something to us, we should respond with the word of God. <laughs> I've been practicing this for, I don't know, for a long time. I would go out to breakfast with people who don't even know Jesus, don't even know the Lord, don't even go to church. And so they'd say something, and I'd respond with something out of Proverbs because Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and I'm sitting with some smart people. And so I respond with something out of the book of Proverbs, and I'm not even quoting chapter and verse. I'm just saying whatever Proverbs says, and they're like, wow, that's incredible. I know. <laughs> it's the word of God. We should fill our hearts with it. We should fill our minds with it. Everybody in this room posted a scripture every single day this week to Facebook. How many scriptures would that be? 700 scriptures posted to Facebook. It's going to change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere with me. Take that challenge. Post a scripture every single day this week. Do it. Watch the atmosphere just change all around you. Some people aren't going to like it. That's okay. They're not mad at you. They're mad at him. We need to know the Word of God. We need to feed on it day and night and night and day. We need to make it part of our life. This is the guidebook for your life. 
And if we're struggling, here's the answer. We are quickly approaching a time, and they're even upon us now, the days of sorrow when we must know the word of God. We must partake of this bread from heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the word of God. This is the bread. God, give me your bread every single day. Yesterday's bread is stale, and I need a fresh dose today. If we're not partaking of the word every day, we're going to become weaker in our faith. This is nourishment to your body. This is nourishment to your spirit. This is nourishment to your soul. And when your spirit and your soul is strong, your flesh will be strong. Verses 9 through 12. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is who God is. This is what God does. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is no respecter of persons, and that means what he's done for one, he'll do for someone else. He did it before, he'll do it again. He did it for David, he did, he'll do it for you. He turns mourning into dancing. He turns sackcloth. Sackcloth is a, a itchy, horrible garment that people would put on when they were fasting. He turns my sackcloth into gladness. He turns sorrow into joy. He turns sadness into praise. He turns sighing into rejoicing. This is who God is. This is what he does. He is a God who takes those things which are useless from us, and he gives us things that are priceless. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gives us what's his and he takes what's ours. It's the exchange rate of heaven. There's never been one better. We need to learn and we need to train ourselves to bring our sorrow and our mourning to the Lord. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes we've got to figure out how to do it. And like we showed before, sometimes after we've brought it there and we've left it there, it just keeps coming back. But that's okay because God's faithful and he never tires of hearing us come to him and say, God, please help me with this. God, please help me with this. God, I don't know what's going on with this. I'm really troubled over it. Can I leave this with you? Pops back up. God, I know I've dealt with this once and you took it from me for a while. I'm bringing it back to you. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why it, this is upsetting me so much. God, I don't want to worry over this. God, take this thing from me. We leave it with him. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Our peace is found in him. Our peace is found in Jesus. It's found in no other. Our peace isn't found with getting the answer. Our peace isn't found with the solution coming. 
Peace is found in Jesus. He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. He gives us joy in the midst of the trial. He gives us gladness in the midst of the sadness. And he gives us rejoicing in the midst of the sighing. Peace is not the absence of conflict. There will always be conflict. There will always be tribulation. Peace is what comes from God regardless of whether or not there's conflict in our life. How many of you know that conflict can completely pass from your life and you still not have peace? But you could walk in the midst of conflict and have perfect peace. Peace is not about what happens. Peace is, comes from above. Jesus said, you will have tribulation. It's kind of a guarantee. He didn't say you might. He didn't say you'll probably. He said, you will. You will. Do not be surprised when you see these things come upon you. It's going to happen. Are you guys experiencing tribulation? The word is true. <laughs> but be of good cheer, Jesus says. That's okay. For I've overcome all of those things. I have overcome the world. See, part of the problem is, is that we're still looking to the world to be right or to be a certain way for us to have peace. And that's not the way that we're to live as Christians. As Christians, we're to live from heaven to earth. We're to live from the power of God in the kingdom of God to earth. Jesus said, my kingdom is not from here. As mature Christians, we should not be moved by our circumstances. The circumstances and the things that go on around us, they shouldn't move us. We should not be moved by our emotion. We should not be moved by things that go on on the left and the right. Some, something happens, COVID comes out, that's okay. My faith is still in him. My joy is still in him. My peace is still in him. Something's going down, something new's going down. That's okay. My faith is in him. My trust is in him. My peace is in him. My joy comes from him. That hasn't changed. I don't, I've been full of joy for a long time. Um, as many of you know, they call me often the joy pastor. The joy hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped in my life. COVID came, this came, that came. I'm telling you, there's so much going on. It doesn't change because the joy doesn't depend on anything that goes on around me. It comes from him. Our countenance will always reflect the world that we are most aware of. What are we most aware of? Are we most aware of this world and the problems that we see in this world? Or are we most aware of heaven and the kingdom of God, the authority that he's given us, the power that he's given us, the joy that he's given us, the peace that he's given, not will give, given. It's already given to you. Walk in it. Which world are we more aware of? Whoever has the most hope will have the most influence. Are we a people of hope? Are we sharing hope and spreading hope wherever we go? What world are you aware of? Our challenge is to walk in the kingdom of God 
and not in the kingdoms of this world. I am, I, I identify with Hebrews 11, the, the fathers of our faith in Hebrews 11. I am just a stranger and a pilgrim on the earth, and I am merely passing through this life. It says that those of, of those in Hebrews 11, it said if they had recalled the country that they had come out of. I used to be an American. Now I'm a king's kid. If I call back to mind the country that I came out of, I could go back to becoming an American, but I don't want to. I want to stay a king's kid. I want to stay heaven's child because this is where I draw my strength from, and it's great living here. John 15, 11, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, it's, jo it's Jesus' joy, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus gives us his joy. He gives it to us. Jesus answered, Pilate asked him, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my, wor if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not here not from here. Jesus began his ministry by stating, back in Matthew chapter 4, when he comes out of the wilderness, Jesus states and he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's right now. I'm walking in it, and you all have the opportunity to walk in it with me. He said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not of this world. The kingdom of God was at hand in Jesus' day. It's still at hand for us now. Do we understand as believers the authority that Jesus has given us, and do we walk in the authority that he has given us? It's a simple question. You can go home and think about that answer. Are you walking in the fullness of what God has for you? If not, why? Why? Do you not have enough faith to believe what he's done? Do you not have enough knowledge to know what he's done? What is it? Figure it out and then begin to walk in the kingdom of God. We're all called to walk in the kingdom of God. When we walk in the kingdom of God, that's when we have joy. That's when we have peace. That's when the days that are filled with sorrow will no longer trouble us. When I prayed months ago and the Lord showed me that the days that we live in are filled with sorrow, I wasn't sorrowful about it. I was still filled with joy. Why? Because the days that I live in are the days on the earth, and though the days on the earth are filled with sorrow, the kingdom of heaven is still filled with joy. What world are you living in? What kingdom do you represent? We need to learn how to pray to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we need to learn to be the vessel by which that heaven flows into the earth. And we need to just release it out of our spirit. Take the things of heaven, apply them to our life, and shine them on others. People will begin to ask, what's different about you? What's going on with you? Why are you always happy? I get that question a lot. Because of Jesus. The answer is simple. It's because of Jesus. Because I've learned the secret to live from heaven. This week, I will, on your card, we put these little things down here, little challenges for the week. This week, I will, number one, the first thing we need to do is we need to bring our mourning to Jesus. We need to bring our sorrows to Jesus. We need to lay them at the foot of the cross. 
If that's you this week, I will. You want to learn to lay your sorrows at the foot of the cross? Listen, there's a learning curve here. You may not just do it once and come away feeling great. I mean, you'll feel great, but it may come back. Do it over and over and over and over again. Do it 100 times. Do it 100 times a day if you have to. Bring your mourning to the Lord. Lay it at the cross. And then this week I will, because you've laid your mourning and because you've laid your sorrows at the cross, live in joy. Live in the joy that God has given you. He's given it to you. He's given you this joy. Just walk in it. Learn to live in it. Learn to be in it. And then when people ask, yeah, I'm just, I'm just full of the Holy Spirit. I just love Jesus. It's Jesus in my life. God has done something different. Heaven is a reality for me. Jesus saved us so that when we pass from this life, we can go and live with God in heaven for eternity. But Jesus also died on the cross so that we could live this life full of joy from the kingdom of heaven while we are here on earth in the midst of trials and tribulation. We don't just get one benefit, we get both benefits. We get the joys of heaven when we go. We get the joys of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God here on the earth, here and now. We should live in the kingdom of God here and now. Amen? Amen. Let me pray and then we're going to take communion. Father, I pray that as uh, believers, Lord, that we would learn to walk with you, that we would learn to lay our sorrows at your cross, at your feet, that we would just train ourselves, God, to bring this to you, to not pick it up again, and that after we've done that, God, that we would live a joyful, joy-filled life because you've given us joy. God, help us to live in the joy that you've given. God, I pray right now for everyone here. God, let us be a church that is filled with joy. God, I pray that joy would break out in this place to the point where there's just holy laughter. God, I pray that joy would break out in the lives of everyone here to the point where strangers are asking, why are you so happy? And it would be a testimony to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take communion. Um, if you have it, if you're watching with us at home, grab your communion, get that out. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And so let's just take a moment and let's just examine ourselves even as we take the bread and the wine this morning.
Let's pray and reflect and just see if the Lord would put on your heart anything that we haven't properly brought and laid down at his feet this morning. Lord, is there anything that's on my heart? God, is there anything that's on my mind that you would have me bring and lay at your feet this morning to leave that burden with you? it with you now, Jesus. He also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we proclaim your death. And in doing so, we proclaim every scripture over our bodies. We proclaim that the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. We proclaim that you have given us your joy and we commit ourselves to walking in it. God, we proclaim that you have come, that we might have life and have life more abundantly. And God, we make the decision to walk in that life today. God, we give you glory and honor and praise. We pray that you would do all of these things through us in Jesus' name. We take it together. If you're here today or you're watching online with us and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, you don't walk in this relationship that I've talked about, I want to invite you to do that today. If you're here with us, you can check the box. It says, today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If that's you, check that box. I want to send you some information about what that decision means to follow the Lord. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that anyone will ever do. He gives us joy in the midst of trials. He gives us peace in the midst of the storm. He does exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that we could ask or think. If that's you today here, check that box. If you're watching online with us, you can check the box on the online engage card as well, or you can send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. I'd love to send you some of the same information that explains what that decision means. Amen. Uh, come and receive the offering this morning.